Well, Happy New Year. God is still God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are starting a brand new year with brand new content. Thank you for choosing Church Public. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate all the support from last year. I'm looking for big things this year because there is a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do in God's kingdom. And I'm happy to just serve some tiny infinitesimally small part of that. I just want to give God the glory for this past year and just continue to move forward as we seek after Jesus and look to this culture and see what we need to watch out in it, what we can give to it. How do we live in this culture and still remain Christian? Or how do we grow as a Christian and influence the culture? Maybe an even better way to look at it. One of my favorite verses for the new year is always 2 Corinthians 5, 17, because Paul talks about being in Christ and being a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And while that may lend some people to this idea of resolutions and things like that, I think it's bigger than a resolution. I think it's the acknowledgement that in Christ you are new. You can get rid of those old things, those sinful things that hinder you and hold you down, those bad habits, and you can move towards the good habits, the things that build you up, the things that build others up, your family, your friends, your acquaintances, people you meet at the gas station. How are you going to live like that this year? It's a great time to look into that and figure out, are you going to be different this year from where you were before? And the truth is, in Jesus, you are different. So how are you going to live like that every day? Jesus is still the same. He is still the king. And though this world seems to be quickly going towards the cliff or off the cliff of secular humanism or cultural Marxism or whatever you want to call it, we're going to look at a lot of that this year because we're moving that way very quickly and this world is a chaotic place. That's just the truth of the matter. So how do we live now? Um, A lot of good thoughts about that, but what I want to do in kind of getting away from some of the chaos that I normally talk about here because there's just so much of it and and speaking truth to that and and just talking common sense into a world that has just lost uh, its collective mind i just wanted to talk about two things that are good news um, where we can see god working even in the chaos even in the brokenness so i want to talk about two of those things today but first Uh, If you haven't checked out churchpublic.com, I encourage you to go and do that. If you haven't subscribed, feel free to subscribe, to like, to share this, because that's how the word gets out. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this to help you, to help others understand what Jesus is like and how we follow after him. I think it's really important that we just really figure out what living like Christ means in this world. So today I want to talk about two updates, things that we have uh, looked at in the past and and some new things, and I just want to talk about them in light of what is going on in this world, but they're good news things. The two things are the Haiti missionary update. Um, I did post the other day on social media that all of the captives in this Haiti uh, hostage situation, this kidnapping situation, were now free. I didn't even know at the time when I posted it how they are free, and I think this story deserves a little bit of attention. We're going to look at that, and we're going to look at some of the aftermath of the tornado destruction in the center of the country, and some of the hope 
that is springing out from it. And I want to look at just at least one story of that today. So we turn to Haiti. Um, If you don't recall, um, if you don't recall, so what happened in Haiti was there were 17 missionaries and they were abducted. I believe it was October. Let me see if I have that date here. Um, I'll grab it in a second. But anyway, they were abducted and there were 17 missionaries uh, in October. The group 400 Mozo had asked, demanded a ransom of a million dollars per hostage. It's still unclear if any of that money was paid. I don't know. Um, But 17 missionaries and their families were abducted. I have some of the ages here. I mean, there were married people. There was a 10-month-old baby. There were children. There were 3-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old. And there were a bunch of adults. Um, A couple had been released earlier and that was good news. It was it was very good to hear that some of the some of the adults had been released earlier, and and that was really good news. I had reported on that, but I, I believe there were still fourteen or fifteen um, who were being held captive. And I mean, international media has been just terrible on this. Even national media has been terrible on this. We haven't been able to get very much information, if any at all. So I've had to scour to find information about this. And, you know, maybe it's not the top story of the news of the day, but I think it's really important. I think it's really important because it shows what our media cares about. And they don't care about Americans that are stranded. They obviously don't care about Christian Americans that are stranded and not just stranded because we've talked about Afghanistan in the past. And that's an important piece where people are still stranded there. They're still being killed there. But especially because they are, these are missionaries and they're Christian missionaries, and in fact, they're white Christian missionaries, I think they just make no news because this is not the focus of the news cycle. It's important to point out, though, not because of any of their characteristics inherently, but because they're trying to follow Jesus and they're trying to share Jesus with obviously a broken uh civilization in this country. And again, I have a great heart for Haiti. I was there. I visited with them several years ago, and they are the most wonderful people, some of the most wonderful people I've come across um, in the world. And I, I have a great spot in my heart for the people of Haiti. And unfortunately, the government there is very broken. There's a lot of things. I'm not going to talk about those things today, because what I want to focus on is how these people are now free. Because Again, the first report that I read was just that they were free. It wasn't clear. Did somebody pay the ransom? I mean, something in the terms of $17 million um, or what happened? Well, what happened was it, it was it was very exciting. Um, and, and you had, this is a notorious gang, this notorious gang. I mean, I think the leader of the gang said something like, you know, you can't quote me on this, but it was something like, uh, I swear by thunder, I'm going to put a bullet in the heads of these Americans. And, um, that was the leader of the gang who had, who had mentioned this. And so we didn't know for a long time, um, what was going on with them. And, And the news is very spotty. And then, and then finally, what we hear is, not just that they were released, but that they actually escaped. And I think this is the the really cool part of the story. They escaped. And again, I read you who is in this group. There's a a baby, a 10-month-old or so, uh, you know, an infant, 
a three-year-old, 14-year-old, some of you parents out there, you know. Trying to take kids anywhere and take them quietly is impossible. <laughs> Getting kids to be quiet is impossible. But I want to I want to tell you some some of the things uh, some of the things here. They um, they were there, and uh, what I read was that they said they just dedicated themselves to praying. They even at one point set up a 24-hour prayer network where they just they stayed up and they prayed and they sung songs and they worshiped God even in this captivity. And I want to turn to Acts 16 in a moment because this reminds me of a story. It's not exactly the same, but it does remind me of a, of a good story that we read about in Acts that I'll read in a moment. But um, they did what Christians do. They turned to God. They worshiped God. They prayed to God. And at one point, um, according to these reports, they said, we need to go. And so they piled up their mattresses on the side of the room. And I'll read this. Um, that comes from a spokesman. When they sensed the timing was right, they found a way to open the door that was closed and blocked. Miracle. They, reading the quote, they filed silently to the path they had chosen to follow, left the place where they were held. Evading numerous guards, the group traveled in the direction of a mountain they had seen days earlier, using constellations to guide them. It was not immediately clear how they managed to manage, managed to escape the guards. Um, they traveled through woods and thickets, working through thorns and briars. They traveled two hours through fierce brambles in gang territory the whole hike and at dawn they finally found a person with a phone who helped them call authorities and then they were able to be rescued from there they were flown back to florida on a u.s coast guard flight i love this story you should love this story you should love this story because Christians being persecuted in another country, Christians who are trying to share the love of Jesus, which is the same thing we're trying to do here, are persecuted, they're abducted, they're kidnapped, they're told they're going to be killed, even the kids, even the baby, they're told they're going to be killed, and what they do is they pray, and they sing, and they worship, and then they decide you know, or they're spirit-led into literally the wilderness, and they, you know, the leaders say, we got to go. And they go. And it, I love this part where it says it's not clear how they escaped the notice of the guards. They just walk through the guards. I want to read you this story. I want to read you the story from Acts. Again, this is not the same, and I'm not drawing, drawing an equivalent necessarily. But I think it's I think it'll be a good story for you to hear. So this is Acts. This is out of Acts 16. Paul and Silas had been preaching. They had been... Um, actually casting out demons and people were not happy with the things they were doing. They were not happy with Paul and Silas declaring Jesus. And so they go to prison and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to join you. I'm, I'm going to join the story right in prison and you can read the rest of it in, in Acts 16, but I'm going to start at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because they thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, just a pause on this story in Acts. 
That's because the jailer was responsible for these prisoners. The earthquake literally opened up the doors, knocked the chains off these prisoners, these Christians. Miracle. The jailer knew he would be tortured and killed for the people being released or escaped or whatever. Again, not the same story, but it's such a good story. Um, so then you get to verse 28. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in. He fell before them, and then he brought them out and said, what must I do to be saved? Now, I love that part of this story. We're not going to go into much of that today, but the actions of Paul and Silas, who clearly had talked to the guards before, um, because there's there's many other incidents of Paul preaching to guards and things like that. So you know that was going on there. Verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Immediately, he and his whole family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. And when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jail with the order, release those men. I'll stop the story there for now. But I thought that story was similar enough that we need to talk about it. And we need to talk about it in the terms of the miraculous and the good news. I know I talk a lot about bad news and the bad things that are happening uh, around the country, around the world, and the persecution of Christians, which this is an example of um, both in Acts and in Haiti. But the miraculous power of God when we follow after him and when we even even when we don't worry, like I, I can't imagine being a father in this situation, being kidnapped and knowing my kids are there and thinking about all the intricacies of how do you escape and how do you escape with a baby when you're trying to run from jailers who are trying to kill you. And yet God was able to keep them silent and silently let them elude their captors and their home. And what a great example of God's providence in this way. It's such a great story and it should be the top of all of the news broadcasts because Americans were saved and God rescued them. And it's such a great story, but we'll never hear it on any mainstream news because all of the demographics are wrong. And it makes me sad, but I wanted to report that because I think it's important to show that God is still God, God is still working, God is still good, and the power of prayer, the power of worship, is not to be undervalued in any situation. So um, I wanted to give you that first story, a story of hope, a story of God's providence, and that as we go into this new year, don't forget that regardless of where you are in your circumstances, God is still in the power of saving people and, and changing lives. Second story, tornadoes. Man, it, these tornadoes I heard about, I think December 10 and 11, and they were, were terrible. Uh, the damage is still being calculated and assessed. The damage is still... Um, being figured out and, and being dealt with. And yet there are some that are moving forward through it. And a couple uh, of these stories that, that coincide together are two churches, First Presbyterian Church and First Christian Church in Mayfield, Kentucky, one of the most severe places that were hit by this tornado. In an image that went fairly viral, let me see, I should have that here for you. 
um, in an image that went fairly viral. If you're not watching, you can check out the video at churchpublic.com. But this image was going around um, quite a bit, and this is a parking lot picture, if you're not seeing it, of a church gathering. And you can see the damage of the tornado and how just terrible it is. And you see the church that is damaged really beyond repair. And yet they gather in this parking lot to worship God and praise him anyway. And I think that's just such an incredible statement and such an incredible testimony of who God is and how much God is moving and and using people and a reminder that the church is not a place, it's not a building, it's a people. And I want to talk about that more in a moment, but I I think I have one more image here for you. Um, This is just, if you're not watching, this is the front of the first first church. Uh, I think this one's the first Christian church. I can't even read the, I can't, I can't read the, the plaque on the front because it's destroyed. You can see the steps. Again, if you're not watching, you can see the steps and all that's left is the steps. Whatever building was there before is just basically gone. And and yet, you know, to flash back to that image that we saw a moment ago, people are gathering and um, they held a Christmas service there and they did some combined services and I love that the denominations are different. Normally, probably wouldn't get together, um, but it's an it's an acknowledgement that the church is a people, and the people of God, the meeting of the people of God, is important. And where it happens doesn't matter that much. I mean, churches are great, and the technology and the buildings, um, it, it's all great, but again in Acts, go back to the early, early church, go back to the beginning, and it wasn't about a building. They didn't have any buildings. They had to run from house to house and do their meetings there. And then they started finding buildings, and they started building buildings. Um, But even back to the first uh, idea of church, right, that Jesus himself says, Matthew 16, 18, talking to Peter, saying, upon this rock, I will build my church. In Greek, ekklesia, the the gathering, the the called out ones. Um, this is where, and, and church actually from, comes from a, a, a German word, and, and I'm not going to get into the full history of that, but but this idea of church, this idea of gathering, is mentioned a lot in the New Testament, um, whether it's ecclesia or or the word for assembly. Um, this is an idea that the people of God get together, and the people of God are the ones that create this gathering, this church, and it's so important. Over the last two years now, when we've seen a lot of churches not gather for fears of all kinds of things, so important to gather. I love this story as a highlight of a new hope because they literally had no place to gather. (laughs) It was destroyed. Um, You have all these people calling out Mother Earth and creation as its own deity, and we'll talk more about that as time goes on because that's going to be a big theme this year. But the creation is under control. It is under subservience of God. God is the ultimate authority. And those that are in a church that understand that their place is to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ, 
whether it's in a building or in a parking lot next to a destroyed building, as sad and terrible as that is, the people getting together is the important thing. Getting together to worship, worshiping God with everything you have, even if that's nothing. You are the, 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 the thing that's important. And I love seeing this example, especially through the examples of so many churches that decided it's, it's not important to get together. It's not important that we meet. You can sit in your living room and, and that's fine. It's, it's fine to just do your own thing and do your own church. That's not church. You, you, you can't do church by yourself. You can't be part of an assembly. You can't be part of a gathering. You can't be part of um, a community with no community. It's in the definition of it. It's, it. it's And it's definitional to the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, you need the many parts. Paul talks about this at length um, all over the place. E- Ephesians uh, 1 is a good example of this. E- and, and a lot of Ephesians, in fact. And a lot of his letters. But Ephesians 1, 22, 23. And God placed all things under his feet, appointed Jesus to be head over everything, which is his body. Uh, everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And again, Paul goes on to talk about the body of Christ. We're not going to do a long exposition on that today. But just remember that we are all parts of the body and every part is important. And if you're only a part and you have no other parts because you don't want to go out and you don't want to be with them and you don't want to be part of the other part of the body, you are not complete. And and the, the community of God is not complete. You are a crucial member of the community of God if you are in Jesus Christ. And this group of believers that we see um, and the general group of believers, the body of Christ that we see, that we began in Acts 2, going back again to the beginning of Acts, uh, that began on the day of Pentecost through the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And it will continue till Jesus returns in power. And uh, again, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, each one of you is a part of the body and you need to act like you're a part of the body. This is such a great time as we go into this new year <clears throat> to lean into who you are in Christ and lean into being part of the body of Christ. The purpose of the church has been from the beginning when Jesus set it up as we read about to Peter to love and worship God through Jesus Christ and to make him known. Uh, Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is the purpose of the church. So how are we going to do that this year? That's why I think this is a good New Year's reminder. It's a good New Year's message that we need to go out and we need to be part of the body of Christ. We can't be part of the body of Christ on our own, in our own place, by ourselves. We have to go out and connect to members of the body of Christ to be part of the body of Christ and to make disciples of everyone that we come in contact with. So how are you going to do that this year? That's that's really the question, right? How are you going to be part of the body of Christ? How are you going to lean into your calling? Again, back to Ephesians Two that God has uh, prepared works for you in advance to do, which relates to who you are in Jesus, who you are in the body of Christ. What is your calling this year to be part of that? How are you going to lean into that calling? These are great things to think about. Again, I'm just not really one for resolutions per se. You can make them if you want to. That's your prerogative. I'm into you are new in Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. Who are you going to be? 
How are you going to lean into that this year? Not just making a resolution to become better in some situation. You're already better because of what God has done. So how are you going to live like that? How are you going to be the person that God has created you to be? It's more about identity. It's knowing who you are in Jesus, not who you are based on your circumstances, not who you are based on your demographics or other things that are external to you or things that you look like. Who are you in Christ? This is identity. This is core. And you get to choose how you respond to that this year with the help of God, with the power of the Spirit. It's an exciting time, and I'm excited to see how God is going to work in your life this year. Thanks for being part of this journey. Thanks for making church public part of this journey. God bless you and keep you, and as always, keep the faith.